0: Samuel 15, I'm just grabbing my other water because I'm running low on that one. Got a picture here I want to show you. If you went to conference, you will know this person. See if you recognize him. If we get this picture up. The first thing you will notice that he has spelt my last name wrong in the bottom. I know that's what everyone went to straight away. Uh, it's not F-A-N, it's P-H-A-N. I've only known him for about 20 years, but that's okay. That's no big deal. Everyone's like, who the heck is that? So this guy... Was um, at home one night and it was cold and he's got an open fireplace, and so he's trying to start the fire but it was um, it was wasn't starting and so he goes, you know what? I'll just I'll just pour some some gasoline on top of the fire, and um, we'll get we'll get it going, and so but the problem is when he put the gasoline on the fire, it wasn't gasoline, it was paint thinners. and so that doesn't mean much to us, but. Paint thinners is much more flammable than gasoline. So I only put a little bit in and the thing exploded in his face, down his, down his body. Uh, 48% of his body was burnt. He had third degree burns. Now this, this flame, you can't even see the flame. It's so potent, it's invisible, and it, but it yet burns your skin and goes through all these things. So, and this guy here, his name is Pastor Steve Lassey. And he gave a report the same night I gave a report at conference. And so you probably noticed while we were up on stage that he wouldn't stop talking to me. So he's always got that, that little rebellious spirit inside of him to do things not the right way, but by the grace of God, he made it out of life. He was playing with something that was pretty small, but it blew up in his face. I'm going to preach a sermon tonight entitled, Don't Blow Your Life Up. I'm playing with something very small that will blow your life to smithereens. And what I'm going to preach tonight is the warning against rebellion. Rebellion will blow your life up. It'll, you'll think, I could just handle it. So it's just a little bit of kerosene. It's just a little bit. But what it does, it's so small and it's invisible and it burns you that you, and you can't even see it. By the grace of God, He survived this. But many people, day after day, are throwing gasoline and actually paint thinners on their life. They're throwing gasoline and paint thinners on their destiny. They're throwing paint thinners on their church and on their family and on their children. And tonight, I want to give you a warning not to do this and help you through this. You don't have to Blow your life up through this. And you can defeat this giant. It's one of the hardest giants that you're going to have to face. But we can be victorious in Christ Jesus. You say, Amen. So I'm going to read from First Samuel 15. Just jump around just a little bit of the story of Saul. And see what God could speak to us through. I have got my timer on because there's a lot to get through. And I'll make sure I don't go too long this evening. The Bible says, And Samuel the prophet also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. So he's saying, Hey, Saul... Uh, God used me and God put you in this position. And so you need to do what God told you to do. The reason you're you're the king Saul is because God told you, God God put you there. And Saul was the first king of Israel. So God had placed him here. And now he says, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, uh, the the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what they did to Israel and uh, how he ambushed them on the way when they came from Egypt. Now go attack Amalek and utterly destroy all they have. Do not spare them. These are very clear instructions. Kill both man, woman, infant, nursing child, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. The the, the command is clear. Destroy everything, not one breath left, of these people. God wanted to destroy them. Verse 7. And Saul attacked the uh, uh, Amalekites from Havilah for all the way to Shur, which is in the east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. Amen. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, you see this spirit, God, alive in this generation, probably more than ever before, God. And you know it's Satan's attack and strategy to, to pull us out of your will and destiny. God, help us to defeat this giant... This evening, God, let every man, woman, and child reach their destiny. Let our church reach our destiny and let your name be glorified. Help us to not ruin what you have set up, what you have planned. Let no man separate, God, what you've brought together, God. You've brought us together. Keep us together. Keep us safe. We give you all the glory for what you're going to do. In the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody says with a shout. Amen. First, I want to look at the ruin of rebellion. And if you don't get anything else from this sermon, get this one thing. Rebellion and ruin are inseparable you cannot separate them rebellion and ruin are inseparable rebellion means open resistance or disobedience to authority it's when you don't you, there's no there's a lack of submission or resistance or disobedience or attitude to overth to authority being your own man as one person could say and uh, I think I showed this sermon on gratitude of Pastor Scott Lamb preached. He talked about this, the, the imagery. There's a saying, if if a turtle is on a fence post, you know it didn't get there by itself because turtles don't climb fence posts. And he goes, some people, some people, they, they get up to the highs of life, but they're like the turtle on the fa- fence post and they think they got there by themselves. And, it, you know, when we're, when we're low in life, we're very humble and submitted. But then once we start growing a bit and God elevates us, it's very easy for us to turn rebellious and think that we did it our way and we got there ourselves Frank Sinatra you would have heard of him he's got a famous song and it's, the song title is I Did It My Way and what I love about that song is that the first line is this now the end is near I found that pretty funny he's singing a song that we did it my way and there he says now the end is near and that's what happens when you do it your way the end is always very near the first rebellion should warn us about the ruin of rebellion so let's look at the first rebellion in the Bible or in, of all time. And we know who that was. That was Satan. Satan is the father of rebellion. Satan instituted rebellion. And it came from his throne. Now remember, Satan wasn't always evil. Satan was angelic. Ezekiel 28.15 You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until wickedness was found in you. He's talking about Satan here. He's saying, you were perfect? That's incredible. The verses before that talk about how all these precious stones covered him. So he was covered in jewels. Verse 14, Ezekiel 28. You were the anointed cherub who covers, established you. You were the holy mountain of God. The cherub means one of the highest ranking. And now the Bible says he was the anointed cherub. So it's like the separate, the most powerful angelic angel in all of heaven started off as his name was Lucifer. He was the leader, he was the anointed one. But then he took the blessing. And made it all about himself. And I'm going to get into this a bit later on. But remember this. Rebellion is self-worship. But I'll get into this later on. Isaiah 14, 13-15. You have said in your heart, this is what God's saying to, to the Satan. This is what you said. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God or the angels of God. I will also sit on the mountain of the, of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And this is Satan's mentality. Five times, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. And this is God's answer. Verse 15. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, which is hell, to the lowest pit, depths of the pit. So he goes, I'm going to be this, and I'm going to be that, and I'm going to be this, and I'm going to be that. and And God says, no, actually, you're going to be the lowest now. Rebellion ruined Satan from being the highest ranking angel to being the lowest ranking angel. Because rebellion and ruin are inseparable. Never, ever forget that. They are always linked. Wherever you find rebellion, very soon you will find ruin. The problem is, rebellion is inside all of us. Right? Like, There's no one here that's like, I don't even know what you're talking about, Pastor. I never deal with this. right? But we do. I've, I do. This is why I can preach sermons. The, the, the sermons that cut you the most are the ones that have cut me the deepest. Because I've lived through it. And rebellion is a fact of life. The word rebel, rebellion, rebellious is mentioned 170 times in the Bible. God has to deal with it over and over and over and over and over again. You read in the Old Testament. And then they turned away from the Lord. Then they rebelled from the Lord. Then God delivered them. Then they turned away from the Lord. Then God delivered them. It, it it's just over and over again. And that is our lives. It's a giant that you need to kill. There's two types of rebellion. There's number one, there's the normal rebellion. The aggressive and active. This is the, you know, the, the child that's you know, like Isaiah sometimes. He starts smacking his head against the wall. They're like, no, you're not doing that. He didn't get your way and he starts screaming, Ah! And gets, that's the act, uh, active or aggressive rebellion. They didn't get what you want and so you make a big scene about it. And that's what we see mostly. But there's also another one that's a deadly killer what many people, are, and many Christians are very good at is passive rebellion. And I think, I think Richard used this in a sermon one, uh, a few weeks back. But passive rebellion is when you're sitting in your seat in church but you're standing inside. That you're sitting in humility but inside you're standing in rebellion. This is like Genesis 33. Here's Jacob and, and Esau. Jacob's ru- ruined Esau's life, taken his birthright, ripped him off. Finally they come together, and Jacob's freaking out, and he thought Esau's going to kill him, but Esau comes, and he, he hugs him. He says, brother, no, no, it's, everything's all good. We're okay. And es- and Jacob's very very humble, or so it seems. like, "You, my lord, I'll follow you. I'll do. You go. I'll follow. You, you go across the, the river, and then I'll come and I'll bring all my people." This is Genesis 33. And so uh, Esau gets it all right. He forgives him. Esau crosses, and then Jacob goes in the opposite direction because passive rebellion says, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." But your actions are completely different to what you say. And it's something that we must get right on our hearts. Ruin and rebellion can never be separated. Proverbs 17:11. Evil, evil people are eager for rebellion and they will be severely punished. The New King James says, an evil man seeks only rebellion, therefore a cruel messenger will be sent against him. And who's the cruel messenger from? It's not from the devil. It's from God. Because God hates rebellion. Rebellion messed up with God's house. Rebellion stained heaven. Rebellion made demons out of angels. God hates it. And you will, if you read the Bible, you will see there is not one time where there was a rebellion that went well. Let's think about the people. There's Absalom. He rebelled against his own father. How did he die? His hair got stuck in some trees and they threw a spear through his heart. That's a nice way to end your life. That's, that's fantastic. What about Korah? He led a rebellion against Moses. And what happened is the earth opened, sucked him in, closed again. <laughs> found that like hilarious. Like imagine Moses is standing there dealing with all these people and God's like, look, Moses, I got this. They all sink in, shuts it up. Doesn't end well. What about Sheba? Sheba rebels against David too. And uh, this is the interesting. He rebels with his crew because when you rebel, you always do it in a crew, right? Because you're not man enough to do it yourself. So you do it in a crew. And do you know what happens? Sheba's hiding with his crew. And what happens is they get upset at Sheba. And when David comes to find him, or David's men, Joab, comes to find him, what they do? They cut off Sheba's head and they throw it over the wall and say, here, you can have him. We don't want him. The Bible's very clear. Rebellion never ends well. It will ruin your life. And what we know physically happens in the Old Testament, happens spiritually in the New. So in our text, we have the first king of Israel go from king the highest position in all the earth, the king of Israel. There's no higher position. King of Israel to nothing. Samuel tells him, the prophet tells him, go, kill all the Amalekites, destroy everything. This is the word of the Lord. And he goes and he doesn't listen. Verse 8. And also Saul took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag. He didn't listen to, listen to what God said and the best of the sheep, and the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good. So everything that was good, he was unwilling to utterly destroy them. He goes, no, nah, but in my eyes, this is good. God, I know you said this, but in my eyes, this is good. And rebellion always has views of their eyes, not God's eyes. He's unwilling to do what God says, and it's one of the most monumental collapses in the whole Bible. The king of Israel ends up committing suicide. The greatest drop imaginable. Someone said, one commentator said this about Um, Saul he said no man among Bible men had so many chances thrust upon him to make a success in life no man uh, but no man ever so missed them Saul not only missed great opportunities he deliberately abused them the sun rose in splendor on his life but it set in a tragic night the downgrade of his life was the old familiar story of pride rebellion and the abuse of power leading to moral humiliation and ruin This man started off in 1 Samuel 11, anointed by God, anointed by the Holy Spirit. In the early years of his life, in 1 Samuel 10, he was humble. But then in the end of his life, he's one of the most prideful men in the whole Bible. Because rebellion will ruin your life. And this is the point of this sermon. To warn you not to blow up your life and blow up your ministry. So let's look secondly at the routine of rebellion. When I was a dance teacher, um, I... uh, I used to teach routines for certain dancers. Rebellion's got a routine. Every rebellion has this routine. You'll see every single one. I'm going to give you seven steps. There's eight in a dance routine, but we'll be here all night. So, Routine, step one. The rebellious always act spiritual. They always act spiritual. They use words like, I felt God. I feel God saying. Saul doesn't do what Samuel told him to do. Clear disobedience. So Samuel goes to see Saul and to hit him up. Why didn't you do what he said? And listen, look at verse 13. Samuel went to Saul. Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I've performed the commandment of the Lord. No, you haven't, you stinking little religious liar. <laughs> I've done what the Lord said. No, no, you haven't. Stop using God's name in vain. We think using God's name in vain is, I swore. No, using God's name in vain is saying, God told me. I've done what God said. No, you haven't. And if you use God's name in vain, be very careful. Have you ever had someone say, oh, so-and-so said this about you and you never said it? Gets you pretty mad, doesn't it? Imagine what it feels like to God when all these people, but God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. I didn't say none of that. You just don't read what I said. Samuel uses one of the great lines. He goes, "I've done everything God's told me." And look at Samuel's response in verse fourteen. He goes, "Then why then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear?" He goes, "Why do I hear like bah, 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 in the background if you killed everything?" He's just taking the mickey at him. I love it. And so Saul again. He's religious. They have brought them from the Malac- well, Sorry, they they straight away they. What? what hold on a second, Sam- Saul. You're the king. But when it comes, why'd you do this? Oh, because the other day, but yeah, there's always other people. That's your reasoning. It's never because I'm just I made my own choice. But the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen, and no to sacrifice the Lord your God. Because the reason I did this is because I love God so much. I'm doing this because I love God. Can't you see? And usually, rebellious people cry. Let me just go through that because I, I have meetings with people all the time, and sometimes I have to deal with religious people, and they start crying. Doesn't faze me. I don't care if you're crying. Stop being rebellious. It's not going to change. So here he is, I'm sacrificing to the Lord. But um, God prefers obedience over sacrifice in verse 22. Rebellious people always sound spiritual. But I've done this and I've done this. Or how about you just obey? And that's why, like I preached on last Wednesday night, you need to judge the spirit. Because it might sound spiritual, but it is off. So that's number one. Step two in this dance routine is partial obedience is still disobedience. (laughs) Because God means what he says and he says what he means. God never confuses his words. And we've all been guilty of partial obedience, right? I've done this much, so that should cover me for the rest. (laughs) But that's not how God works. Verse 20, and Saul said to Samuel, so he hits, hits him up, you've done this wrong. And he says, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and God on the mission on which the Lord sent me, and brought back Agag, the king of Amalek, and I've utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Listen, when you're dealing with rebellious people, it's very important. This is what they do. They focus on what they've done right, and they completely step aside what they've done wrong. I had to explain this to someone. They're like, but look at all the good. I was like, okay, so tonight if I murder someone, and I stand before the judge, I've been a pastor for six years. I'm a good guy. I'm not a murderer. How can you call me a murderer? What, because it's just one off? Yes. Because partial be- obedience is disobedience. And rebellious people always push, but I've done this, but I've done that, but I've done this. I, I did, I, a few years ago, I preached a sermon, 3%, and I I, preached this, I did the Bible study with the future leaders a few weeks back, and it was good fun. I should probably preach it again. But every time I do a study with the, with the um, future leaders, I always want to preach it again, and I might do a few of them. But the reason I called it 3% is because in rat poison... of the rat, of the poison, is actually not poison at all. It's actually good food. The only bad part in in rat poison is only 3%. That's the only part that will, and that's enough to kill the rat. And we think, but pastor, I've done 97, I've only got 3% rebellion. That will kill you and ruin you. And you have to deal with it. You have to get that right. So partial obedience is still disobedience. God doesn't take disobedience lightly. That's step two. Step three. Rebellion. Listen to this: is a God issue, not a man issue. Because everyone's got an excuse to blame other people. I did this because of them. I did this because of them. And then he says, his excuse, verse twenty-one: "But the people took the plunder." He goes, "It's the, it's the people. This is the reason I did this because of the people. It's not me. It's the people." But in verse nine, it says, "And Saul and the people spared Agag." When people rebel, it's always it's because of this person. It's because of that person. It's because of my father. It's because of my pastor. It's because of my boss. It's because of this. It's because of this. because of this. because of this. No, it is not because of a man. It's because of God. And your issue is not with man. Your issue is, is with God. Because when they say the issue, the issue is not the issue. This is why if you're constantly fighting with people all the time, your issue is not people. Your issue is you're rebellious against God and so you can't get along with people. And so the issue is never, oh, that person. Yes, yeah, so what? Who here has had a perfect upbringing? Who's just had perfect parents? They've never done anything wrong. But they're your parents. And many of you respect them for your whole life. And yet when it comes to people, we think we're spiritual because we find a fault in someone. Hey, I, don't have to, I don't have to do this now. And it's not with man. It is with God. <laughs> Saul, it's not the people. You're the king for crying out loud. You don't have to listen to the people. Rebellion is not a God issue. Let me, let me even get deep in this. Who was, um, who was the devil's pastor? Was God not good enough for the devil? Was Jesus not good enough for for, Judah, uh, for, for Judas? Was, um, was, was Moses not good enough for, for Korah? Was David not good enough for Absalom? Like, who do you want? You want David? You want Moses? You want Jesus? You want God? Who do you want? It's not a people person. It's an issue with you and God. Very important you grasp this. Number four. This is the one that should hopefully keep you awake at night. Rebellion invites the demonic into your life. You open the door and you say, Hey devil, come, come, come move in. Verse 23, For rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. Now we don't use witchcraft much, but the word is actually divination. Now let me give you a translation here of what divination means. Divination is to decide and determine through a divine source. and That divine source is not God. Communication with a false deity, which is a God, not the God. So you are deciding and determining the course and actions of your life through a spiritual source, which is not of God, which is demonic. And when you get into rebellion, no matter what the situation, you say, welcome in. 1 Corinthians 10.20 Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice the demons, not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. This is to the church. When you involve yourself in rebellion, you're being influenced by the demonic. You're making decisions on the demonic. You're, making, you're opening the door. Have you ever spoken to someone in rebellion, and it's like they're a different person? You're trying to explain this. How can you see this is so wrong? How come you can't see this? Because there's the influence of the demonic. It's like they're under a trance. And that you can't, that Galatians 3. Who has bewitched you? Why, why are you thinking like this? Because once you open the door to the demonic, you have all sorts of crazy thoughts going through your mind. And so rebellion opens the door to, to the demonic. And that's why you have all those crazy thoughts. Number five, step five. And let's get deeper into this. Rebellion is self-worship, it's worshiping self. And God will not share his glory with anyone. So, in our story, Saul is rebellion. doesn't do what, what God told him to do. God tells Samuel, go sort Saul out. And he goes to find Samuel, but he uh, Saul, but he can't find him. Saul went off to do something after this great rebellion. Look what he does in verse 12. And Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, and was told Samuel, uh, was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel. What's he doing in Carmel? And indeed, he set up a monument for himself. <laughs> he just rebelled, and now he's building a statue of himself. Because rebellion is self-worship. You're building yourself, a monument of yourself. This is what I have done. This is who I am. And it is the epic, epic uh, picture of pride. Our life should be to glorify God, right? That's what we're born to do, to glorify God in everything that we do. But as soon as he's building a a monument, I know people who are building a monument of their lives. And they're not building a real statue, but they're building a, a story around their life this is what I've done and this is what I've sacrificed and look how great I am. But you've, you're rebellious. Why are you building a monument? Build up God. Stop building yourself up. Who cares what you do? And then you start to lose your mind because you have confidence in self. And self-worship is very scary because how many know ourselves are nothing to be worshipped? <laughs> We've got a lot of bad stuff inside of us. Number six, step number six. Rebellion ruins destiny. Verse 23. Rebellion is the sin of witchcraft, stubbornness is iniquity and adultery. And I'm not even going to get into adultery adultery and iniquity. But because you have... Listen to this. You should underline this if you have your Bibles open. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has rejected you from being king. Now, I don't know if you've ever been corrected before. But imagine being told that. Because you want to reject God? No, it's all good. God's rejected you. That means your son will no longer be the king. That means your family will lose their royal line. It's over for you, and it's over for your family. The throne is going to be taken away from you. And God's will for his life is destroyed. Imagine how long Saul has been preparing his life to be king. Years on years and years and years and years and years and years, but it got to his head. And now it's all gone. Tell you what, it gets, this is how deep this scripture is. And there's a lot more, but I have to cancel it out or else we will be here all night. And again, I hope you understand my spirit. I'm saying this so you don't go down this path. I want to show you the ugly side of rebellion. Because it looks really nice when you're just chucking some, some kerosene on the fire to, to warm yourself up. But it will blow yourself up. And rebellion feels really good at the time, but it blows your life up. Look what else God says. Verse 11. Ah, this is hard, man. I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. For he's turned his back on following me. He's not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel. And he cried out to the Lord all night. I'm going to say it doesn't only destroy you, your destiny, but it hurts other people. Samuel's broken here. Samuel loves Saul. Verse 35, And Samuel went no more to see Saul to the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. Because your decisions affect other people. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king of Israel. Not that God didn't know Saul was going to rebel. You need to take this in context. What, the point here of God regretting that he did this is because rebellion hurts God. It affects God. That's God's response. When we rebel, God, His response is that, I wish this didn't happen. Just because God knows something doesn't mean it doesn't affect Him when it happens. And when I was reading this, I was praying in my office, man. I'm like, God, I pray you never never regret the day you put me in ministry. I pray you never regret the day that you saved me pray you never regret the day that I did something for you. God, never regret the day that you built our church here in Onihanga. Because rebellion doesn't just ruin you. It ruins so many people. Samuel's broken. He's a, Ahithophel is David's best friend. But Absalom goes and rebels. And Ahithophel, because and he, he joined the rebellion, and God, he got rocks in his head and demons in his head, the sin is is like witchcraft and he's influenced by the demonic and he goes and joins Absalom. Then Absalom's uh, rebellion fails and instead of getting his heart right, back with David, he he goes and commits suicide. It breaks people up. It breaks families up. It breaks homes up. It breaks churches up. And finally, this is the saddest part. Actually, probably not sadder than before, but number seven, rebellion rarely repents. I love to sit here and say the people that rebel, they they finally realize how crazy and how idiotic it is to fight with God. But it very rarely happens. Because pride makes you blind. So look at Saul's repentance. This is is his repentance prayer. Verse 24. Saul said to Samuel, I've sinned, I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people who obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship God. Does that sound like a broken man? Or does that sound like a guy, look, I did this, yeah, yeah, but let's come, let's get, let's sort it out. Let's just keep moving. No big deal. There's no mourning over sin. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Nothing there. He's still prideful. Like some people could have the, the I was talking to one of the brothers. You can have the biggest fall from graces. You are no longer king. Your, your royalty is gone from your family. And he still doesn't get his heart right. Like, you know, some people's like, how low is your rock bottom of life? When will you turn to God? Verse 30, he wants to be reinstated straight away. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of the people, before Israel. Return me, and I may worship God. No, Saul. It's still all about him. honor me now. No. Humble yourself. Lower yourself. And then uh, this, this part's sad, too. Verse 27, and as Samuel turned around to go, Saul sees the edge of the robe and it tore. He's so desperate for Samuel to reinstate him that he grabs his, his robe and it rips his robe. And then look at this, verse 28, and, and Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you oh my goodness Like, imagine God saying that to you I've torn everything that you've ever done and I'm giving it to someone better than you and this is 1 Samuel 15 1 Samuel 16 David's anointed king because when you rebel don't want to get your heart right God says fine, all good you, I'll take it away and I'll give it to someone else some people think I'm, need, people need a monument of me because I'm so great No one is irreplaceable. No one is irreplaceable. But they're really powerful. Yeah, but God made them powerful. God can make another one just like that. It's too late for Saul now. It's not too late for us to get it right. So let's close with the ruining of rebellion. Let's turn it on its head. Let's ruin rebellion right now. (laughs) You can. Three ways. Number one, you need to truly repent need like true repentance not, not well let's just sort this out let's just quickly move no 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 really mourn over your sin he's a loving father he knows what's best we just need to come back to god prodigal son turns rebels against his father gets goes out and he realizes how stupid what why am i eating what the pigs eat and i can't even eat that and i want to eat that but my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills let me go back to god and he goes back to his father got this quote here. It says, The pattern of the prodigal is rebellion, ruin, repentance, reconciliation, and restoration. Because you can start in rebellion, but if you get it right, if you truly repent, then it can lead to restoration and reconciliation with your Heavenly Father. And you can step into destiny again. Rebellion is pride against God. You are not going to win that fight. Ever. (laughs) Ever. What's that? Your, Your arms are too short to box, to fight with God. You're not, going to, not going to, you're not going to knock him out. You're not going to win. He's still undefeated. Best not to start a fight with him. And if you have genuine repentance, you will have genuine submission and, and healing. That leads us to, firstly, it's rep- true repentance. Secondly, it's true submission. Because many people say, I'm submitted to God. I don't need to submit to man. I'm submitted to God. Well, if you're submitted to God, you'd be submitted to God's word, which says submit to man. And it's just an excuse. This is why people don't lock into churches because they can't submit to anybody. That's why they don't commit. That's why they move from church to church to church. They go from one church for a few years, have an argument. They join another church for a few years, have an argument, and that's their life for the rest of their life. Romans 13.1 Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God. So if God put that person there, submit to that person. But what if they're not perfect? <laughs> what, should we make you the leader? Oh, perfect one. Remember, it is, not, it is not a man issue, it is a God issue. So, um, the Bible talks about Jeremiah, when it, that's why we're called the potter's house. And God says, when you're in the hand of the potter, which is a man, He goes. God says, you are in my hand. And when you're submitted to a man, that's when you're in God's hands. As soon as you remove yourself from that, you are out of God's hands. And all you are is a big lump of clay. But when you're in the hand of God, man, God can make us into something beautiful, can't he? That's why we need to have true submission. Hebrews thirteen seven. Obey those who rule over you. Be submissive. They watch out for your soul. Like, <laughs> so crazy. They're gonna give an account for your soul, man. Don't stress about that. Let them do so with joy. Can add to this two things. Submission a is a choice, but I don't feel it. Who cares? Who cares? I, who feels it? Raise your hand. You always feel like submitting. I just love it. I just love submitting that. It's No one does. No one does. But it's a choice. And remember this. You are only as strong as your submission. And could that be why we have so many weak Christians walking around these days? I just feel so weak, Pastor. Because you're only as strong as your submission. And if you meet any strong man of God or woman of God, they are one submitted person. And the third thing, true... Repentance, true submission. Number three is when you get true humility. Again, humility is a choice. I could be prideful but I'm meek and so I'm going to lay aside that and stay humble. I didn't, I didn't have time to get into this but, but Samuel says to Saul, he goes, remember when you were small in your eyes? He goes, remember those days when we came looking for you and you were hiding because you didn't think you were worthy enough to be selected as king? Now you're building flippin' monuments for yourself. This is the biggest ripping of the whole Bible, man. Like, this is the big. Samuel is savage. Like, oh, you ripped my garment? Yeah, like, God ripped it. I was like, whoa, like, we get it. We understand. (laughs) You know? But the other thing here is when you're little in your eyes, man, the other way of looking at this is Samuel saying to him, Saul, you, you think this is little? You think what you're doing is little here? You think this is no big deal? He goes, you're the, you're the head. You're, you're the, the leader of the tribe of Israel. Hasn't God anointed you? And you think this is a little thing? And every person here, we've been anointed by God. And it's not a little thing. So always be little in your eyes. Don't belittle your rebellion. Belittle yourself. And close with this. The next guy who's going to be king is David. And obviously, Saul and David wouldn't get along. You know, if Saul's not getting along with God... He's not going to get along with someone else who's going to be king, who he doesn't like. And Saul wants to kill David. And he's on the run. And he's running, and he's running, and he's running, and he's running. He's trying to kill him. He throws spears at him, and he's chasing him through all the mountains. David's in a cave. David's there. And Saul goes into that cave. Like, hasn't God got a sense of humor? Like, out of all the caves in the stinking Middle East, they're in the same cave. And David's there hiding against the wall. And all his boys are saying, kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him. And listen, I, I'm, I'm, I hope I'm a Christian, but if Saul was after me, and he's there going to the toilet, and everyone was telling me to kill him, hey, you know what I mean. <laughs> it's like, yeah. But he, he, he cuts the robe. Now, you bet you never thought of cutting the robe like this before. Maybe when he cut the robe and Saul remembered... Just I, I, I took the robe and I, I tore the robe off Samuel. This is the guy that's going to take it from me. And David stayed humble the whole time. And he was even convicted about cutting the robe. And so stay humble about those little things. That little rebellion. That little word, those little words. Because the Bible says we're going to give an account of every idle word. And that's That's scary. He repents from his very, very small rebellion. He gets it right while it's small. And David becomes king. He becomes a great king. He becomes a man after God's own heart. Yeah, he made mistakes, but for the most of it, he wasn't ruined by rebellion and it didn't blow up in his face. So I encourage you, church, please, please, for the love of God, don't go down this track. With rebellion, like Pastor Steve Lassie, it's invisible flames. You don't even know you're on fire. But it can ruin you. And my prayer is that 10 years' time, 20 years' time, 50 years, if the Lord tarries, our church is still growing strong. I tell to the future leaders all the time, praise God you're serving God at 13, 15, 17. But I wonder what you're going to be doing at, at 53, at 83, or if we'll be like Pastor Mitchell, 90 years old, and still, if there's anybody that, could be, that has a right to be rebellious, it's probably Pastor Mitchell. Imagine all the people that stabbed him in the back. Still a humble man of God. Rebellion will always ruin you. So protect yourself and defeat this giant. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray.